When my parents knew that at three weeks old I was dying, they quietly wrapped me in rags and laid me on the floor of their kitchen just to expire quietly. My aunt, who was childless, happened to visit my parents. And while they were making small talk, she was distracted by a strange, faint sound like a kitten that wanted to get out of something. Since then, I became my aunt's child. And when I grew up, she sent me to a wonderful Dutch school, which in its curriculum included a Bible lesson. It was there I learned about God and Jesus. I saw someone dressed in a robe, which the Lord Jesus and His disciples wore, appeared at the window, signalizing with His hand to follow Him. Dr. Suisin, it is an honor to be in your home today, to be here in California. For people who don't know who you are, who maybe have never seen you and are watching right now, could you just introduce yourself very briefly uh, to the people who are watching on the other side of the screen? Yes, uh, I'm Eddie Suisin, and I'm a retired minister from the Washington, D.C. area, Maryland. And now my wife, Deborah, and I, we are here in San Diego, living in San Diego. And we just enjoy the climate here as well as what the Lord has been doing in my life, even right now. Amen. Now, Dr. Eddie, we have a little bit of history in that you uh, led my pastor at some point back in Maryland. Now we're in California. Um, let's start with your testimony of Jesus starting in childhood. What did Jesus do in your life? How did you get to this point? The year was 1932 when I was born prematurely as a dying infant into a poor Chinese family in a slum area on the island of Java in Dutch East Indies. When my parents knew that at three weeks old I was dying, they quietly wrapped me in rags and laid me on the floor of their kitchen just to expire quietly. But in God's divine providence, that same evening, my aunt, who was childless, happened to visit my parents. And while they were making small talk, she was distracted by a strange, faint sound like a kitten that wanted to get out of something. So my aunt got curious, walked into the kitchen, and when she saw the little bundle pull aside the rack, and to her surprise, she saw a newborn dying baby. With sheer compassion, she picked up the baby and she rushed off to a nearby little clinic. Once again, in God's divine providence, when she knocked at the front door of the clinic, a young Dutch medical doctor opened the door. Apparently, he just arrived from the Netherlands to train the nurses in that clinic. His name was Dr. Weiser. When he saw the dying infant, he said to my aunt, this baby is my first patient and I cannot and I will not start my medical career here by losing my first patient. So he kept me in that clinic for 
100 days. At the end of that 100 days, when my aunt came to revisit me, with a bright, joyful voice, Dr. Wieser told her, I think he is strong enough now. You may take him home. Since then, I became my aunt's child. She adopted me, and when I grew up, she sent me to a wonderful Dutch school, which in its curriculum included a Bible lesson. It was there. I learned about God and Jesus. Something about my adopted mother's mother. My adopted mother became a Christian through a miraculous healing of her mother. That is my new grandmother, who at one point she became ill and went into coma for several days. My new grandfather, who was a Buddhist, started to prepare for her funeral. But one of my uncles, who was in Dutch school, told his classmate that he will miss attending school because of a serious illness of his mother. Once again, in God's divine providence, my uncle's classmate asked an elder from his church to visit my grandmother. When the elder came to her bedroom, he prayed for Christ's visit to restore my grandmother. And then he left. But that evening, to the surprise of those who attended her in the bedroom, that is, attending my grandmother, was stunned that my grandmother woke up. And she told them, Did you all see that wonderful man who was dressed in a white shiny robe? He came to me with a gentle, loving appearance and said, When you wake up, ask for a glass of milk. So my grandmother pleaded, to those around her for a glass of milk. And that was the way she was fully restored and lived for many years and even witnessed my wedding. What happened with my grandfather? He dropped his consecrated life to Buddhism. And being a builder, before the Lord welcomed him into heaven, my grandfather had built three churches in the capital of East Java, where we lived. Now, here is another surprise spiritual experience. One early afternoon, while I was sitting in my bedroom, reading the Bible and meditating on God's miracles, suddenly, to my surprise, I saw someone dressed in a robe, which the Lord Jesus and his disciples wore, appeared at the window, signalizing with his hand to me, to follow him. I was stunned and speechless. It was not a dream, nor was it just an hallucination. It was that vision which led me to attend Bible college after finishing high school, with the agreement, of course, of my adopted parents. I pursued a study at that college for four years, where I met Deborah, a fellow student who has a gracious and gentle singing voice. After graduation, we got married, and together we flew to Australia to study for a divinity degree from Melbourne College of Divinity. After graduation, the Lord led us into various ministries to young people in Southeast Asia through Youth for Christ. It was when we were ministering in the Philippines, we were invited by Dr. Robert Bowman, who was the president of Far East Broadcasting Company. Since he learned of Deborah's beautiful voice, 
he persuaded us to produce a radio program called News of Hope. Since Far East Broadcasting Company in Tokyo, Japan has an affiliate, we could continue producing the radio program while I was ministering to both students as well as in the, to the pilots and their families in Tachikawa Air Base in Japan. Soon we were discovered by a senior missionary, Dr. Gordon Chapman, a member of the Fourth Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C. When he shared with the pastor, Dr. Richard C. Halverson, who was also the president of World Vision, I presume many of you know, we were invited to come to Washington, D.C. It was in September 1963. We arrived at Dallas International Airport in the Washington, D.C. area. Through the introduction of Dr. Halverson, we were embraced as members of Fourth Presbyterian Church. We were privileged to continue and carry on the radio program, News of Hope, with the help of two capable technicians in that church to do the radio broadcasting to Southeast Asia. In 1974, a member of Fourth Church, Lee Campbell, discovered that the Lord has gifted me with teaching, so she asked me to join her to establish community Bible study with the responsibility to write the study commentaries. And with agreement of Dr. Halverson, I accepted the challenge. In 1976, I was assigned to minister to post-college singles, many of whom were employed by their congressmen and senators on Capitol Hill. Once again, in God's divine providence, when Dr. Halverson announced this new program over the radio, the response was big and surprising. Since over 200 people signed up for the study, the elders permitted us to meet at a nearby community center in Bethesda on Sunday morning from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. We assigned each one of them to sit at a large round table with a table host leading the discussion after the lecture. When the Washington DC newspaper learned about it, they sent their reporters to investigate the group. Naturally, they were surprised and wrote an article on it. And as you can imagine, soon many more signed up to join it. The following year, we had to move to a nearby large holiday inn to accommodate over 400 participants. Soon, the married couples asked Dr. Halverson to have a similar class after they attended the first service at nine o'clock. Again, I was asked to establish the class for married couples, which was welcomed by Kenwood Country Club across the church. No different from the post-college singles, the first sign-up was 250 people. And seated around large table with a table host also at each table. Both of them went for several years, so much so that from time to time I was asked to share Bible studies on Capitol Hill for the congressional staff. Indeed, it was the Spirit of God who instilled in the many hearts of the people in that capital. In 1982, Dr. Halverson was appointed to be the United States Senate Chaplain in Washington, D.C. The reason? 
which prompted me to leave Presbyterian Church for two reasons. Number one, there were several people who felt the need in that church to follow the influence and directions of the Holy Spirit. For example, during the worship service, they desire to be able to raise their hands and or clap their hands during singing and adorations. But number two, the Presbytery of Washington, D.C. does not permit any associate pastor to be nominated for a senior pastor. Therefore, I decided to resign from Fourth Presbyterian Church and respond to the people who look for more freedom to worship God. When I realized that there were quite a number of people who wanted me to be their pastor, we together formed a congregation known as Christian Covenant Church. For a start, we met in one of the schools until we had enough members who were able to build a modest church building. In the process, as we grew and began to see young people joining their parents to worship on Sunday, the elders agreed to call Greg Zetz, whom I knew and wanted him to be my assistant pastor to the young people. Soon, Greg Zetz had shown himself more than just a youth pastor. His heart was to reach beyond the congregation as missionary. In fact, while being with us, he also served as a chaplain to the Montgomery County Police Department. Again, in God's divine providence, the church elders were considering Greg Zetz to be the next pastor when I retired. And it happened as I had visualized. When Deborah and I moved to San Diego after retiring from the pastoral, Greg Zetz was installed as the senior pastor. And as the congregation grew, he changed the name of the church to King of the Nations, which fits with Greg's vision as a missionary to many nations. God has confirmed his vision and the congregation has grown over 500 people today and they have to meet in a school building to accommodate the large number of worshipers on Sundays. Greg Zetz reminds me of Joshua, whom God used him to take the people of Israel into the promised land. According to Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. People ask me, what are you doing now in San Diego? Our risen Lord, through the spirit of truth, has shown me fresh spiritual avenues, among others. How can one serve the living God? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 tells us, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve our living God. Now, there is the reason, as what John the Baptist declared, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verses 28-29. I discover the Greek word, iron, translated in the Bible as takes away, literally means to remove, to destroy, and to kill. Now, this is what the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, has done for us, to remove and to destroy 
and to kill our sin in order that we can serve the living Almighty God. The work of the Holy Spirit is to make us realize the meaning of the redemption, what Jesus did on the cross. And hence, we should understand that there is no Pentecost when there is no Calvary. As I'm teaching at the church or sharing the good news by mail or regular email to many community Bible study students and leadership, this is what I am appealing to people not to overlook the shedding of Christ's blood on the cross to redeem us and to reconcile us to God. Dr. Sweeson, who is Jesus to you? Jesus is God incarnate as a person here in this world. That's the reason why we have the statement, the Trinity of the Godhead. For people who are watching and are not walking with Jesus, are not following Jesus, what's a word of encouragement that you can share with them? Number one, to know who Jesus is and what he did when he came into this world. Not just teaching, not just doing miraculous works, rescuing people, but as the Bible tells us that since the creations, God has assigned Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God to redeem the people like us who were lost because of sin and to reconcile us to God so He can embrace us as His beloved children and allowing us to be able to address God now in the most intimate way, Abba, loving Father. Doctor, any last words for people who are watching your testimony right now? Yes. The reason why I am sharing the beginning of my life in 1932 is to allow people to realize that they are here not by accident. God created all the delicate inner parts of our body. And He also scheduled each day of our life, even before we were born. God has a reason. God has a purpose. God has a hope. And let us not waste our time here on earth. Amen. Dr. Sweezen, could you pray for the people who are watching on the other side of the screen? It's a privilege. Dear loving Father in heaven, how grateful we are that you have made that great sacrifice by sending the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, as the Lamb of God to come into this poisonous environment spiritually and physically to remove and to destroy and to kill the sin which poisons so many lives in this world. And we are keenly aware the reason you are redeeming us liberating us from the bondage of sin is to be able to live a life productively 
for your honor, for the blessings of our fellow humans, and yes, for the glory of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and the joy of your Holy Spirit, whom you sent to us, regenerated by your Holy Spirit, to encourage others, to comfort others, and most importantly, to lead our fellow humans, young and old, to come to the feet of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, as described in Ephesians 2, verse 6, beyond being reconciled to you, loving Father, is to rededicate our beings, spirit, soul, and body, wholly and totally unto you to be a powerful, gentle, loving instruments as long as you keep us here to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Just as the Lord Jesus told his followers and longed to see that we all recognize that, received the gift of your Holy Spirit and help to rejuvenate the lives of many, all for the glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, everybody. I hope the New Testimony has blessed you, has encouraged you. Just wanted to let you know that if you are in need of help, that we have people that are ready to speak with you. So down in the description box below, in the comment section, uh, if you're watching from YouTube, if you're listening from our podcast, just look for the link that says, talk to someone who cares. Click on that, fill out the form, and somebody will get in contact with you locally. Now, this is only available to people in the U.S. right now, but we are working to get resources for our international viewers and listeners. But for right now, if you are in the U.S. and you need help, you need to talk with somebody, please fill out that form and somebody will reach out to you. God bless you, and we'll see you on the next testimony.